So we started this series last week called Bless This Home. What I like about this video bumper is it's really honest. Um, I think if we were all honest, we would love to say that we're the last home. Everything's perfect and everything's all put in place, especially if you have kids. We just are okay saying that's not reality. <laughs> like it's not reality every day. Some days we might be that last home where everything's, everybody's happy and everything's perfect and all works out. But there's a lot of times that we actually relate to the other houses, just some crazy stuff going on. And, and so last week, and we'll talk about it here in a minute, um, God gave us promises in scripture that we can call onto our home, that we can call a blessing onto our home and peace into our home. And so we'll look at that in just a minute. But since it's Mother's Day, um, I wanted to read a couple things uh, that I thought were just kind of funny. I pulled off the internet some tweets. But before I do that, let me honor my mother and mother-in-law. First of all, mom, why don't you stand? For those of you who don't know, this is my mom. Everybody clap for her. <laughs> She, she is responsible for me, so if you have a problem with it, it's her problem. So. And then this is my mother-in-law right here. Why don't you stand up? This is, uh, <clears throat> this is Connie, my mother-in-law. And so I'll, I'll talk about them in just a minute um, when we get into the sermon content of it. And then they all just got really nervous, like, oh, I'm in the sermon. <laughs> yes, you are. So a couple of tweets that I thought we could all relate to that I thought were so funny. Um, Here's one. It says this. It says, parenting is basically just listening to yourself talk because nobody else is. It's like the moral of it. I love this one. Going into my kid's room after they've been playing makes me feel like one of the organizers on an episode of Hoarders. Only I cry more. <laughs> the unfiltered honesty of a child is so refreshing. Unless they're telling you your breath stinks at 3 a.m., then they're just being jerks, which is true. Uh, having kids means you're getting a cough on the lips instead of a kiss, which we can relate to. Overheard my husband telling my daughter, you just have to find the right man. Walked into the room and realized they were just playing Legos. <laughs> the kid's remote control car just drove across the bedroom floor. The kids aren't even home. Please let this be Toy Story and not Chucky. <laughs> Change the word muffin to cupcake and now the thing on my three-year-old's plate is edible, right? Who can relate to that? The four-year-old came downstairs this morning mad at me for being too loud and waking him up before he was ready. Hashtag definition of bite your tongue. <laughs> Just finished the laundry with no missing socks. Adds magician to resume. <laughs> Once you find yourself negotiating with a four-year-old, you've already lost. <laughs> Four-year-old, daddy, you can have this breadstick. Me, oh, thanks, sweetie, takes a bite. Four-year-old, I licked the Parmesan off for you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> thanks, mom, who got a pinata for her son's birthday party. <laughs> now my four-year-old is running around the house smashing everything, hoping it has candy in it. <laughs> I thought I would have kids so I would know what it would be like, so I would never forget what it's like to be ignored. <laughs> this is the best one. The great miracle of raising children is the fact that half the time they are the root of all misery and the other half of the time they are the cure. Somebody say amen, right? So today we'll talk about bless this home. We're going to honor mothers. And of course, uh, being a parent, especially being a mother, is, is a big deal to how the house operates and how the home operates. And of course, I realize that we all have different backgrounds and scenarios when it comes to being a mom or being a parent or, um, or how you interact as, as um, some type of even mother, which we'll talk about in a minute. 
But um, here's the thing. You're a huge part of it. I mean, the, the house really goes around because of mothers. Amen? And so Proverbs 24, 3, 4 says this as we talk about bless this home. It says, by wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So when we kicked off the series, we understood that it takes, it takes wisdom. It takes us having our sights set on something like, hey, God, we want to have a blessed home. We want to live a blessed life in our family. Uh, let's seek wisdom on that because wisdom is how a house is built. And then when it says it's filled with, present and pleasant, with precious and pleasant riches, that was more than money and stuff. It's, uh, it's our kids and time with them and our family and peace in the home. All those precious and pleasant things uh, are more than like a nice couch and nice TVs. Amen? So the scripture pointed out that we can call things unto our home in Luke 10.5. It says, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. Another translation of that says, whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. And so you have a promise in your life that you can cast peace onto your home. First Samuel 25, six said, say to him, long life to you, good health to you and to your household and good health to all that is yours. And so that's an instruction or a promise that we can literally cast and pray um, peace to your households. And Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so how do we have a blessed home? We put first the kingdom of God and everything else gets added unto our homes. Amen. And so it's a big deal. And Joshua, we know he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He set the standard. He said, hey, for this house, we're going to be a people that serve God. And so you can set a standard in your home. And I talked about last week. The problem with that is in our culture is a lot of times we live one way on Sunday and then we're a different way throughout the week, or we live one way in church and we're a different way on social media, and it makes it confusing for our kids or our generation. When you grow up and you got in trouble, a lot of our parents or families would say, you know better than that. That's not who we are. That's not what this family does. And uh, if you lived in a family that you knew, you're right. That's not how we operate here. Uh, you, you abided to that and you understood. But too much in our culture, that's always changing. On Sunday, we say, this is who we are. But then later we go, no, this is who we are. And so it's going to be important for us as we're setting a bless this home type atmosphere in our house that we need to be consistent. We need to have a goals. We need to set what that structure is. And that's what Matthew was talking about. Also, Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so if we, in our homes, we hunger and thirst for God and we make that first, the promise from God is that he'll meet us there. Amen? So today, transitioning into this uh, sermon, this is actually like if I had to, I have about 157 sermons that I've wrote. Uh, I've been a youth pastor for 10 years, and uh, because... Uh, because I was a youth pastor for that long, of those 157 sermons, there's probably about 20 of, them, 20 of them I would never preach in front of you because they were for teenagers and you would literally never come back. Like, I can't believe that guy. But, uh, <laughs> but if I had to pick even a top three, this sermon is in it. Um, when I go and, and travel and preach somewhere else or uh, if I have the opportunity as a youth pastor to speak to the adult congregations, um, I would always do this sermon one, because I, um, I just, I like it. I feel like it's kind of who I am. It's who I strive to be. Uh, but it's also, and, and we'll have a little bit of fun with this in a minute. Uh, it's also how I was brought up. Like if, if our family had to say, um, this is who we are. Uh, our family, that's how we do it. This is how you are. It, it would kind of fall into this principle. And then my mother-in-law, who I married into, she's also 
sort of runs her family or her heart towards her kids falls into this category too. And so this whole sermon just kind of comes out of like who I am and what I'm made up of. And uh, there's a couple thoughts in here you may have heard before, but I really want us to take this content and look at it in the lens of, of parenting. Now I know it's Mother's Day, uh, but even as a mom, uh, they, they operate in this so strongly. And I think it's one of the greatest things you can operate in. And, uh, and it's this idea of being somebody who understands and relates to and makes it important, puts emphasis on the importance of unwrapping and, and developing uh, our children's gifts and who they are. Here's the fun part. Uh, I have two opposite, I have polar opposites in my mother in, in my mother and my mother-in-law, and they're both great. They're both great, great qualities. So my mother-in-law, I, uh, she's a counselor. And so when she talks to us about uh, unwrapping your gifts, um, because she's a counselor, it takes a long time when she talks to you. Um, is that right? We have some great talks. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a positive thing. I remember one time when I was really young in ministry, I was about 19 or 20, maybe, yeah, right around there. And um, I remember uh, we were, I was digging this uh, line for a direct TV uh, line. I had to go from one building all the way to the other. And we were at our house. And I'm out there, and I'm digging. I just got done preaching a sermon to the adults at our other church, and I was really young. And so, you know, I'm terrified about preaching it and figuring it out. And did I even say anything intelligent and all this kind of stuff? And so she comes out as a counselor. And uh, of course, also as like a mother-in-law. And, and I think Jess, were in, Jess and I, we were engaged at the time. So I might've been a little bit older. But um, anyway, so she comes out and I'm digging this thing. And it's this huge line, like all the way from one building to the other. She comes out and, <laughs> she, and it's hot outside. I'm sweating. And, and, uh, and she comes out and she's standing alongside me. I think she's still in her church clothes. And I'm like throwing dirt and stuff. But her heart was so much to encourage me and like speak life into me. And so again, because she's a counselor and she knows how to run the clock up, if you know what I'm saying, she gets paid by the hour. So, you know, it's like... You ask her, you know, you ask her what the weather is. That's at least an hour. Like, hey, what's the weather out there? Well, if we really want to talk about the heart issue of the weather, I think the sun feels like, and you're like, gosh, I'm just kidding, obviously. But so anyway, at length, you know, I'm out here digging this thing. And she's speaking life and encouraging, encouraging, encouraging. And, and that's, that's, it's a great thing. There's times that we need that. And then my mom uh, she, she, age doesn't matter to her. She was a children's pastor. And so, I mean, literally if, if she saw the hand of God on a three-year-old, she would be like, Hey, you need to get up there and preach a sermon to the adults. Like there's just no, there's no, it's like what the scripture says. Don't look down on the youth, you know? And so at very young ages, she put us in positions where she saw the call of God on our lives and, and we were able to minister and, and, and put in situations. But mom's was more like, you know, the little kid who was nervous about swimming and she just throws him in the pool. <laughs> it's like, hey, she literally has a saying that's like, hey, at one point when we were all learning, like we all got sorry on a bunch of people. We just did a sorry job in front of a bunch of people and like, that's how you learn. And so she just throw you in the pool and I'm, I'm, I'm drowning. Ah. <laughs> You're gonna learn today, son. <laughs> I'm gonna show you something. I'm gonna show you. So, so you almost lost you there. <laughs> driving. But anyway, um, so, so sink or swim, that was mom's thing. And there was tons of great that we learned in that is the, you know, in, in NASCAR, they call it seat time and uh, basketball, it's court time, whatever. But you get in there and you do it. And I believe in you. Here's the thing. I knew I was doing bad at times. I knew it was like, oh, I'm kind of stumbling through this one. And mom would be there sort of watching us and overseeing us and whatever. She back there. But 
even though oh, I'm struggling, the belief that she believed in us enough to watch us struggle through it is huge. It's huge. Somebody say amen. And so it takes both kinds. And so this sermon comes from one of the most important things we can do, not only as a church or as a culture, is to be a people who can sit there and go, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're going to make it. You can do it. You can do it. Come on, keep growing. Keep unwrapping, unwrapping your gifts. God's got greatness in you. That's the be- too bad that the church of our culture is, oh, look at you. You messed up. You dummy, you're an idiot. Get out of here. Let me do it. No, nobody has that experience, right? Too bad. And I'm not talking about our community or any other churches, but the church has been so negative towards people who try, right? Even Peter gets out of the boat, walks on water, sinks. Jesus says, hey, why'd you have little faith? You know, why'd you sink here? But the context that I believe about that is like, hey, Peter, why, man? Why'd you sink? You had it. You had it. You were out here with me. It wasn't a talking down to. It was, come on, we can do this. Let's walk back to the boat. I believe in you. Somebody say amen. And so we as a church have to be a people that believe in people's gifts and believe in the best in them. And so in our homes, calling in a blessed home and calling is, is creating an environment where, hey, I believe in you. You can grow. Uh, somebody say amen. Psalm 127.3 in the New Living Translation, it says, children are a gift from the Lord they are a reward from him. What I want to point out too, if you don't have a child, if you're somebody or you know somebody who struggles at Mother's Day, it said children are a gift from the Lord. It didn't say your children are a gift from the Lord. It said children. Now, Obviously, the second part says they are a reward from him. If you look at other translations, it says that uh, the fruit of the womb is a heritage and all that kind of stuff. But listen, children are a gift from the Lord. And even if they aren't your children, you can step in as a mother or as somebody who helps unwrap gifts. Somebody say amen. Some of the greatest people I know as mother figures uh, are people that may have not even been uh, an actual mother. Somebody say amen. And, um, and so I don't want you to get discouraged because children are a gift from the Lord and they are a, rewo- a reward. And so if you work with children and uh, you may not be a parent yourself, those kids in your life can be a reward unto you. Amen. So I thought about this. If we talk about unwrapping gifts and what does that look like, uh, Miles Monroe has a great book. He actually recently passed away, unfortunately, but he's got a great book talking about potential. And he says that he believes that the richest places in the world are not the oil fields. They're not the gold mines. They're not uh, where you go and uh, harvest diamonds and dig up all those kinds of things. He believes the richest places in the world, he says, are the graveyards. They're books that were never written. They're songs that were never put in place. They're uh, paintings that were never made. They're all of these things that people either gave up on themselves or they didn't have somebody believing in them. And so it went to the grave and we never saw it. Maybe if we could open up the graveyards, we could mine some of these things out and we could encourage people to, to keep going and keep striving and don't give up and don't settle. Somebody say amen. Settling is the biggest thing. You know, we just look at the bottom bar. I talked about it last week. When we're talking about seeking first the kingdom of God for your family, you should be comparing yourself to what God speaks about you, not what your neighbor. Well, you know, so-and-so over there, they're just doing this. So you want to compare yourself to the bottom? No, aim for the top, amen? And so same thing. Let's not be a people who settle. Let's go for the best on the inside of us. Let's unwrap all of our potential. I love this thought. We shouldn't be people who die old. We should die like Jesus did. When Jesus died, he said, it is finished. I've accomplished everything. We shouldn't just die just because we got old. We should be somebody who accomplishes the mission. Paul said, I have finished my course. I have poured out. I've been poured out like a drink offering. 
He's just emptied himself, all the ideas, all of the things that God placed inside him, he put out there uh, because he understood the importance of continuing to grow and unwrap. I love this thought. God is not interested in you. He's interested in what's in you. What's in you. Even the scripture says that you have a treasure in earth and vessel, meaning your bodies, who you are. You are a treasure to God. And so are our kids and moms. You get to participate in that harvesting this treasure of these kids. You get to participate in that. Uh, you guys do not get emotional on a, on a Mother's Day, so I do a normal Sunday. But, but you guys get to participate in that. So I think for a lot of parents and moms, we look at the stuff that's on the wall and the mess that's on the floor, and we go like, oh, this is my life. I got like macaroni stuck to everything. Uh, and we go, oh, this is it but you don't understand that you're unwrapping the gifts of God, a treasure that he calls in these vessels. Amen? Jesus came to redeem us, not because of the way that we were, but because of the potential that we have in where we're going. We got to stop judging ourselves. If Jesus said, hey, you're qualified and you're good enough for me to redeem you here because of where you're going, we need to start living our lives not on where we were, but where the potential of God's taking us. Somebody say amen. We do so much rear view mirror driving. We're just looking at all the stuff that happened in our past. Could you imagine if we all left here today and we drove only looking in the rear view mirror? It would be a mess. It would be a disaster. But so many of us live our lives that way. Always looking at what happened behind us. God came and redeemed not your past, but your future. Somebody say amen. Obviously, he, he, there's forgiveness for our past and all that. But, but you understand what I'm saying. So potential is an, un, here's the definition of Potential. It's untapped power, it's dormant ability, it's hidden strength, it's unused success, it's concealed power. Your kids have all of those things on the inside of them as a treasure. They have all of those things on the inside of them. And the blessing that you have with your kid being a gift is that we get to watch all that stuff come into existence. That hidden strength, that unused success, that concealed power. God has chosen you and equipped you, especially moms, to help unwrap that and explore that and open that. Somebody say amen. I thought about mothers from the very beginning, especially as a dad. You know, as a dad, you know, the nine-month birthing process, you're kind of waiting for the kid to get here. You know, you, you make the ice cream runs and you do all those kinds of things. But for the most part, it obviously doesn't affect you like it does the mother. But from the beginning, the mother automatically starts unwrapping the gift in that child. And you go, well, how does that happen in the womb? Right away, you start changing your diet, right? You change what you eat and you change what you drink. Why? Because it's starting to unwrap the potential and the growth on the, of the baby that's on the inside. You also have body changes, obviously. Uh, you, some of you say like, oh, I'm trying to forget that, you know? But uh, it's, it's amazing in different times of the year. I mean, it's just amazing the stuff that, that moms, you know, their sleeping patterns, uh, are all different. Why? Because they're posturing themselves for the maximum growth of that baby who's in the womb. Amen? And uh, so their sleep changes, their eating changes, their body changes, all of that stuff takes place before that child's even here. Why? Because all, right away, that mother instinct is unwrapping that gift, is, is growing that child to its highest possibility. Michelangelo had 14, um, he had 44 uh, different sculptures and things that he made and, you know, these famous things. And 14 of them were left uncom incomplete. 
uh, he didn't finish them, you know. And so you've seen him uh, missing piece or, you know, had this thing or whatever. And I just thought, it's too bad in our generation we have a lot of that. You know, we have young people who have amazing potential and they start out as this great masterpiece. But because somebody or some things or some cultures don't come alongside them and craft them to their finish, don't take the time to actually follow through and invest in the process, they get stuck like some of those just unfinished projects, sort of missing a thing here and missing a thing there. Somebody say amen. We need to be a church and a people in a community that as we're talking about blessing our home, we need to be people that step in alongside and go through the process of finishing uh, these, these beautiful masterpieces that are our kids. Amen? That's why I love our teams that serve, uh, get up there and, and right now serve up in our kids' ministry. And, uh, you know, they're going to leave here painted and glued and <laughs> not glitter because I told you we wouldn't do it. But, you know, it's, it's on a Mother's Day. They're coming up here. What are they doing? They're doing what I'm talking about. They're finishing the masterpiece of these children. They're helping unwrap their gifts. Amen? So we need to be a church that does the same thing because we were created incredible. We're incredible people. Check this out about your brain. You've heard me say this before, but your brain is roughly about three pounds. Some of you, it's obviously less, but three <laughs> pounds. It has the ability to remember a hundred trillion bits of information. Now, I know that's like abstract. It's hard to comprehend that, but a hundred trillion bits of information. But check this out. It makes 15,000 decisions a second when you eat. When you're eating, when you're taking a bite of something you're eating, it makes 15,000 decisions a second. Now, obviously, you're not sitting there going like calculating all of those decisions. It's naturally on its own. Your brain is incredible. 15,000 decisions a second. It has the ability to remember 10,000 different odors. You go, I don't know if I believe that. But if we started to go, what does grass smell like? You would remember. And then, unless it was a different kind of grass in college, you might have a good memory, bad memory. But uh, grass... Is one thing, gas. If I was like, hey, gasoline right now, if we spill gas, you'd be like, I know what that smells. Paint, uh, you, you know, colognes, like your husband, whatever, you know, you, uh, all these new carpet, all these different things that have distinct odors, you could start really racking up all these things that you have memory of smell. And it's because your mind is incredible. God created you incredible. Our body has every chemical. Uh, and then you could debate this with me about cancer and stuff. But right now, if I were to get a cut, my body would start the healing process. The chemicals and the things that it would need, it would start healing that wound. Why? Because God created you incredible. He created you as a being with all kinds of potential to be something really incredible. First Thessalonians 4.1 says, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God. The scripture saying, hey, don't don't make a little bit of progress and then stop. It's saying, hey, you should abound more and more in the things of God. When you, when you get to a place and you have a breakthrough and you have a revelation of the things of God, then what do you do? You keep growing more and more. You keep unwrapping, if you'll let me use that word. Keep unwrapping all the gifts and things that God has in you. And that's what mothers do with their children. They're continually unwrapping and investing and sowing into their kids. I thought about Charlie, who's, who's one month old. So as a mother... Uh, my wife, so many first-time experiences for my little guy happened with his mom. Uh, so she, you know, we uh, put him up on, on her, and she held him, and he opened his eyes, and he breathed air, and he did all these things. All these first-time experiences uh, he got to participate in with his mom. Moms do incredible jobs at unwrapping the gifts and potentials uh, in our kids' lives. And so we got to support that as fathers. Somebody say amen. 
but also as a church, we have to continue to encourage them as they grow and abound more and more and more. Uh, I love this thought. Your mind is like a parachute. It's no good unless opened. Uh, And so many of us, we just try to keep things so safe. I was like, oh no, uh, you know, don't let, don't let them do this. Don't let them grow here. Don't let them do this. And I got a joke with my parents uh, going recently. I'm not paranoid uh, about my child. My mom would disagree, (laughs) but I err on the safe side is is how I'll say that. (laughs) I may need to see a counselor about that. So we got this joke running. My sister got a new trampoline and she was like, hey, I got a new trampoline. And uh, I was like, ooh, trampolines are dangerous. I don't know if we're going <laughs> to. But, uh, but here's the thing. In our, we can do that. We can, you can bubble wrap your kids, and you think you're doing them a favor. Not going to let them be involved in this part of uh, things. And, I'm not gonna, and we keep everything so safe that really you haven't let them grow. Uh, if you've bought some flowers or whatever this time of the year, what if you brought everything home and you put it in a box and you closed it all up so it wouldn't die? It would die, right? It wouldn't grow to its potential. And, and so that's sometimes my encouragement to you is invest in your kids. Let them grow spiritually. Let them be involved in some things, in the things of God that uh, may not be the way that you thought or that this or whatever. And that's what I love about this church being multi-generational is, is we're all growing spiritually together. Amen? The medical facts are there that when people retire or when they stop growing and abounding, people that retire that don't have anything lined up to do, they die much earlier. Because we're built to keep growing and keep going. And those that retire and they have hobbies and they're involved in things and they keep going, they live much longer. Uh, why? Because it's important for us to continue to keep growing and to keep growing. First Peter 1.8 says this, Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, verse 19, but you are redeemed with the blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. So scripture saying here is like, hey, you were bought back into the things of God, not with money or things of the world, with perfect blood that's never been done, that nobody's ever lived sinless. I mean, it is literally the rarest thing that ever has and ever will take place. And him dying on the cross and shedding that for us is the richest thing that could be offered up for you. Somebody say amen. That's good. So God really believes in you. Here's how much he believes in you. Here's the rarity of you. Because rare things are where we get value. There's roughly just under 7 billion people in the world uh, that may have surpassed this. My notes are a little bit older. But 133,000 people roughly were born today in the United States. 400,000 people will be born worldwide today. 60 billion people since the beginning of time. And nobody has your thumbprint. You literally are the rarest, you're, you're one of a kind. You literally are, there's only you. So if we're talking about value comes from its rarity, you know, gas is rare and diamonds are rare and gold is rare, and that's what we say has value. If you're one of a kind, don't you think that's God's way of literally imprinting on you that, hey, you're valuable to me, you're a one of a kind. Somebody say amen. So we have to grow those things. We gotta invest in our kids because they're rare, they're precious, amen? Check this out, the odds of you being born, from conception uh, to birth, 137 octillion, 130, oct- sorry, 130 octillion things needed to go exactly right from conception to birth. 130 octillion things needed to line up perfectly. That's 130 with 27 zeros behind it. That is a huge number of things that had to go just right 
somebody wanted you to be here. Somebody say amen. Somebody has a plan and a purpose for you to be here on earth. There's days that you don't feel like it. There's days that you don't understand it, but you need to go back to just that number and go, God, I know you want me here. I know you have a plan for my life. Help me see it. Somebody say amen. Same thing with your kids is uh, they have a purpose. They have a plan. We have to invest in that. Here's what it is. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the idea here is we were created for good works, which God prepared beforehand, and it said that we should walk in them. We, we are called to be operating in good works. It doesn't say maybe you could walk in them, maybe. It says that you, you should be walking in good works. That's God's design for our lives. And so as we raise up our kids, let's develop them in a way that they understand what it is to walk in the good works of the things of God. Amen? Everybody say, that's good. Okay. So check this out. Uh, in closing, just here in just a minute, I'll wrap up. Here's, here's the problem. I, I've pointed out how rare you are, how much value you have, that God has made you one of a kind. And here's what's crazy. The number three, so you're incredible. You're incredible. God cares about you. There's all this potential in you. But the number three killer in the United States right now is suicide. More people take their own lives than are murdered or homicide or murder. Why? Because we as a nation, we haven't created a culture where we share about how important we are to each other and how much we love and walking in these good works. Instead, we love to build people up and then what? Tear them down and destroy them. And we love to tell people they're not valuable and they don't have a place and they don't. We have to build a place whether your church, your home, your family, that encourages and speaks life because it's a countercultural thing that we need to start establishing. Somebody say amen. The master, we all know the story. He gave some, he gave one five, you know, the talents. He gave one, two, and one. And uh, the master who didn't do anything with the talents, he just sat on them. He didn't unwrap them. He didn't maximize them. He didn't do anything, was called a wicked and lazy servant. Why? Because God's design for our life is for us to grow and unwrap and not do more in terms of works. Like, oh, you got to do more works. You got to do more in walking with God and in the kingdom and participating in his ways on earth. Somebody say amen. Lauren, if you can come play while we close. I thought about it like this. We all love unwrapping gifts. Like we love the process of unwrapping gifts. I, I think most of us, uh, I think it's kind of, I don't know anybody who was ever like, yeah, I got somebody a gift, but really don't want to watch them open it. I don't take any joy in that. We love it. We love to watch them unwrap. Matter of fact, all throughout the year, with Caroline, I still watch videos uh, of her opening her Christmas present. She comes around the corner and is all excited because there's something beautiful in watching growth. Amen. I have a one-month-old. He's starting to grow. He's starting to do these things, and it's beautiful. Uh, you put up with the diapers and the drool and the spit-up and all these things. Why? Because it's a beautiful thing to watch something grow and, and reach its potential and, and grow into what it's supposed to be. And so as a church, we got to be thinking that way too. Growth is beautiful. Our kids, all our different areas of ministry, how can we participate in growth? And so we're called to help others unwrap their gift. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, it's dangerous if we weren't participating in helping others unwrap their gift. You know, what if it was Christmas and all the gifts were there and my two-year-old Caroline, we didn't, we didn't tell her anything. We were just like, yeah, go for it. And Jess got me a knife set and a chainsaw and she was just ripping into those things. It wouldn't be good. No, what do you do? You take them, you put them on your lap and you help open them. And you, 
because we're called to help people unwrap their gift. It's dangerous if we leave people on their own to unwrap their gift. Amen? We're inspired by stories of growth. Uh, the highest rated uh, like home channel, uh, TV, whatever, all the highest rated things are what? When somebody takes something that was all ruined and broken down or whatever, and they renovate it and they unwrap its gift and they make it something beautiful again and extreme makeover and flip this home and all this stuff, whatever those are, I don't, they're on. I don't watch them, but I, I tolerate them. <laughs> and, uh, but all those things, everyone's like, oh, hi, why? Because we love to see transformation and growth into something beautiful. That's how God wired you. So we got to be conscious of how can I participate in my community with growth and unwrapping the gifts and helping people maximize their potential. Amen. The scripture said, unfortunately, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. The harvest out there, the thing to unwrap, the thing to go get, there's a lot of that, but there's few people who are willing to invest in unwrapping the gift and participating and connecting. Let it be said of us that the harvest is plentiful and there's a ton of laborers too. Somebody say amen. Amen. Okay, why don't you stand to your feet? I want to share one more thought with you. Before we leave, I want to share this thought. Some of you might say, you know, I'm a parent or uh, somehow I'm in connection with, with kids and, and I feel a lot of pressure. You know, I feel like I'm not, I'm not capable or I'm not able. I'd love to raise up their gifts, but but Pastor Josh, you don't understand where I came from, or you don't understand my background, or you don't understand I have bad habits, or you don't understand um, I have these kids, but I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I came. You don't understand where I came from. If I right now were to take out a $100 bill and say like, hey, who in here wants this $100 bill? Of course, a lot of us would raise our hand. And if I say, yeah, but this $100 bill... Um, somebody used it to bet on a sports game illegally. So it's kind of been involved in something uh, illegal. Do you still want this $100 bill? You'd be like, yeah, I still want that $100 bill. And then I say, okay, but also I got to tell you that $100 bill, it was also part of a drug deal before the, before the bet. And so it, it, it was a part of a drug deal. Um, you know, it's changed hands or whatever in some illegal activity, but obviously, you know, it's not tracked or anything. So who wants this $100 bill? Yeah, I'll have that. Okay. Well, and before all of that, it was actually... Um, you know, it was, it was involved in, uh, you know, um, something, whatever. It was a part of something also illegal, let's say. Who wants this? Uh, yeah, I still want that $100 bill. Why? Because its value is not determined by where it's been. Its value is determined by what the maker says about it. So in our lives, it doesn't matter where you came from or how you got brought up or whatever you feel like is this bad habit, these kind of things. Your maker says you're incredible. Your maker says you're able. Your maker says that your value is that you can do all things through him. Stop looking back at, well, you don't know where I came from or whatever. Look at the fact that you've been valued by God and he sees you able. Amen? Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you say, man, Josh, I love what you're saying and uh, I want to make in my own life I want to start walking in my gifts. I want to start going after God. I want to start making some changes in my life where I'm putting him first. If you're here, the scripture says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he raised Jesus from the dead, then you're on your way to heaven. Some people call it a sinner's prayer. 
Some people uh, call it the prayer of salvation. But we're not going to ask you to leave your seat. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. But I want to give you the opportunity to pray that prayer, to make that confession I just talked about, to get your heart right and your life right with God. And so here's how it'll work. When I count to three, I'll just have you raise your hand. Everybody's heads are bowed and their eyes are closed. So when you raise your hand, I'll, I'll see you and I'll just make it an acknowledgement. We won't point you out. But then together, we're all going to pray the prayer together. And I believe, like the scripture says, if you believe in your heart what you're praying, that today you're, you're becoming a Christ follower. You're getting your heart right with God and your sins are being forgiven and you're making heaven your home. So if that's you here today and you say, yeah, I want to get some things straight. I want to get my heart right with God. If that's you, with nobody looking around, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Put it up. See that hand over there? Anybody else? Anybody else? If you're feeling like, man, I know that's me, but I don't want to shoot my hand up. Do it quick. It'll still count. All right. If you're feeling that nudging, you're like, man, I, that is me. Here's the deal. You can still pray this prayer and believe in your heart and it'll work the same. Why don't we all together pray this? God, we say, say this after me. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say amen. Give him a hand clap. If you prayed that prayer, there's an information card on your seat. There's a spot on the back that says, uh, I made a commitment for Christ or I made a rededication for Christ. If you want to fill that out and leave that on your seat, we're not going to call you or stalk you or put you, encourage you to get in a class or anything like that. I just want to pray for you this week. And I want to just encourage you in that great decision that you made. If you have more questions, our prayer team's available. I'm available, but uh, awesome job. Well done. My encouragement to you is get connected to a healthy church. If you'd love to make it this place, we'd love that. But there's other great churches in town too. But get in a place that can encourage you, support you, unwrap your gift, if you will. And uh, you'll see God do awesome things in your life. Amen. For the rest of us, let's pray one more time uh, that God just gives us that passion and zeal to, to see the potential in our kids. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. Lord, we thank you that your word says that our kids are a gift and that they are a treasure to you. So God, this week, through the mess, through the noise, through the macaroni, through everything, Lord, help us to see uh, how beautiful, how beautiful growth is and, and what a blessing it is for us to be able to unwrap and unravel and speak to the potential of our kids. God, give us patience and grace. Give us wisdom to speak. God, we know that you're with us in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody.